Hey everyone, it's Donna, creator of The Diarist, and I wanted to hop on before our bonus episode starts to let you know that it is a bonus episode and it is not part of the serialized story. It's standalone and it the content is meant to enhance the serial content of The Diarist. So if you haven't listened to The Diarist, you can start with episode one and um, the story unfolds in 18 episodes. But if you wanna just listen to this, that's fine as well. Just a bit on this piece, I did some research on Walter Freeman, the, the famous lobotomist, and this lecture is based on a journal-reviewed article in the Yale Medical Review, and I think it was like 1940s, maybe like late 40s. And so a lot of this information is from that, is drawn directly from that. And just to note on that, that this, you know, the Yale uh, Medical Review would have been peer-reviewed and and it's a highly esteemed medical journal. So uh, lobotomy back then was uh, definitely part of the psychiatric and neurological, you know, research and clinical world. So anyway, I'm going to also put some um, information in the line notes. I found some amazing research on this. So this is kind of the side to the story, but um, I think it's super interesting. I'm also putting the promo for We're All Mad here, another podcast that's one of my favorites and I talk about it often on here but I thought for those of you who are listening to the standalone you should check out We're All Mad Here by Rachel Diamond and she delves into mental illness and interesting stories and interesting conditions and historical contexts and so I think you'll really like that. And then finally, because I want to get to the bonus episode, we are going to be starting a campaign to raise some money for season two, which is floating around in my brain right now. And we have some other special shows, uh, shorter shows, kind of standalone. And also, I really am trying to raise money to pay the actors for their work so far on the show and the co-producers and co-director. I've gotten so much amazing feedback and I have such a talented group of people that I'm working with. And it kills me that they are sharing their talent for for free. So go onto our Patreon page, check us out on Twitter and Facebook, but I'll also start promoting a little bit more. And so you'll hear more about that on here soon. All right, enjoy the bonus episode. The Modern Psychological Association presents Cure for Malady, a lecture by Dr. Walter Freeman five-part series of lectures by the famed lobotomist Dr. Walter Freeman presented to the medical school at Yale University. Lobotomy has been tried and found wanting in large measure in psychopathic states, criminality, alcoholism, drug addiction, epilepsy, mental deficiency, sexual deviance, and most of the organic brain diseases. In recent years, neurosurgeons have demonstrated conclusively that either frontal association area may be removed almost in its entirety without producing more than slight deficits in the functional capacity of the individual. From a strictly neurosurgical perspective, you can see in these diagrams that the white matter in the lower and upper parts of the frontal lobe is cut by swinging the instrument upward and downward in the plane of the coronal suture. You can see the movements are coordinated but not unnecessarily delicate. The operation itself is not a shocking procedure and is relatively painless so that we have been able to carry out a number of observations while the patients were under local anesthesia. Moreover, 
The more cooperative patients have undergone fairly comprehensive psychological tests both before and at intervals after the operation, so that we have data upon both the immediate and the remote effects of the procedure. Here is probably an effect from the abrupt severing of so many axons and collaterals. Actually, the patient can converse quite rationally during the operation upon either the right or the left side of the brain. But often, as soon as the first incision is made in the frontal lobe on the opposite side, there is immediate abolition of anxiety and nervous tension. The pulse and blood pressure fall within minutes, the skin of the extremities becomes warm and flushed, and there is considerable sweating. As the incision into the white matter is made more extensive, the patient becomes disoriented and with the final incision, upward or downward, becomes drowsy or goes into a stupor from which he is roused with difficulty and answers in monosyllables. The following conditions, when intractable, are positive indications for operation. One, obsessive ruminative tension states with or without compulsions. Two, involutional psychosis with agitation. 3. Chronic anxiety neurosis. 4. Psychosomatic conditions. 5. Depersonalization syndromes. And 6. Pain syndromes, functional or organic. That a considerable degree of affect is still present in these lobotomized patients is indicated by one individual of very lachrymose habits previous to operation who was completely relieved of her agitated depression by the operation. Here we have a photograph and film clip of 8mm recordings before and after with a brief case study. Then you will meet several patients who have generously offered to come answer your questions. Dr. Freeman now introduces a patient, Ms. Dottie Lindens, who is classed to demonstrate the success of the lobotomy. Now, may I introduce you to a guest to our classroom. A former patient who has graciously agreed to appear before you as an example of the benefits of lobotomy. A little over two years ago, Dorothy Linden presented three years prior with sexual deviance, paranoia, and anxiety. Her concerned parents agreed, indeed, pleaded to a frontal lobotomy, requested one, in fact, after observation and her neurotic and increasingly hysterical state, an operation was undertaken. She refused any test prior to surgery, remaining in a highly agitated state. She was given local anesthesia and restrained. A remarkable event was the rapid transformation during the surgery itself. Early stages, she spoke quite coherently and convincingly, apologizing for her deviant acts and, in her words, coming to her senses. As the surgery continued, she remained conversant and pleasant even. After the final fibers were severed, Miss Linden. Today she is married and able to carry on housework and is expecting her first child. Through the procedure we have seen a complete retraction of her early anxiety and agitation. She is content to manage her home and has a quite amiable demeanor. Her family report that she is quite pleasant, even funny sometimes. Her affect has been numbed slightly, but this change is seen as positive. Miss Linden. Thank you for agreeing to come and talk with my students today. It's my pleasure, Dr. Freeman. But my name is now Dot Smith. I'm married now, Dr. Freeman. Oh, so you are. How could I forget? Your mother sent me a wonderful photograph from the wedding. I keep it with my other photographs of you, Miss Smith. 
Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, my name is Dorothy, and my family calls me Dot. I live at 516 Main Street in... Oh, well, you don't need to recite your address for us. You see here, students, the flattening of the voice is somewhat reminiscent of the plateau speech of the epileptic. While not the case with Miss Smith, in some cases there is a prolonged flow of speech, it being almost impossible to interrupt the patient before he has completed his train of thought. Tell me, Mrs. Smith, tell me about yourself. Our students are very curious about your life. What would you like to know? My students are very interested in how the surgery has helped you. What is your life like now? Well, it's quite fine. Quite fine indeed. And how so, Mrs. Smith? Well, you know, I don't remember so well, but my mother tells me that before the surgery, I was quite unhappy. She said I was rebellious and caused lots of problems. Anxious, mostly. Mostly anxious. Like many patients, Dot presents a placidity and indifference that forms a striking contrast to their previous apprehensive state. If she'll share a bit of her history prior to the surgery, you'll be impressed with the change. Go on, Mrs. Smith. Tell us about your problems. I don't remember. Try, won't you? What sort of problems, Mrs. Smith? I don't exactly remember. Mother said I was very angry and not too interested in boys. But now you have a husband. Yes, he's quite nice and good-looking. <laughs> Is he? I imagine he would be. You're a lovely and charming girl. Can you tell us about him? Well, his name is John, and he's an electrician. He was in the war. He doesn't like to talk about that too much. He sometimes gets angry. You know, the war was very upsetting to young men. Yes. Well, how is it for you when he gets angry? Is it quite upsetting? Well, you know, I understand. It doesn't bother me so much. This is remarkable. Even temper is very much a result of the surgery. Three years later, Mrs. Smith is able to keep house and is sympathetic to her husband's problems. So, students, you see, patients who formerly at home made the dirt fly can look with equanimity at collections of cobwebs and dusty shelves. There is a definite tendency to procrastination. The patients make plans for tomorrow, but somehow tomorrow never comes. They do enough for today and then stop. On the other hand, if given a task of more or less repetitive character, they will often continue more or less automatically beyond the limits of normal patients. They are not distressed by failure. So you find you have more patience now, Miss Smith? Yes, that's right. I don't get upset so often. Are you happy with your life, Mrs. Linden? What's that? Happy. Are you happy? Oh, happy. Life isn't so hard these days. No, sir, I'm not. Not what, Dottie? No, sir, I'm not unhappy anymore. That's what my mother tells me. I have the things that all girls want, don't I, Mr. Freeman? Yes, Dottie, it seems as though you do. Class, will you thank Mrs. Linden with a round of applause before she returns home?
This concludes the first lecture in the Modern Psychological Lecture Series with Dr. Walter Freeman. This public service film was sponsored by Fab Laundry Soap and a generous grant from the Yale School of Medicine. Looks like Mrs. Brady's getting acquainted with her new neighbor. Let's look over the back fence and see how things are going. Hello there. I've been meaning to come over and introduce myself. I'm Jane Brady. You couldn't have picked a better time to be neighborly. I'm so discouraged about my wash. Yours looks so much brighter and cleaner than mine. How on earth do you do it? Well, I had the same trouble before I found out about that wonderful new fab. You know, fab whitens as it washes and without bleaching. In fact, fab gets my clothes whiter without bleaching than any other product I ever heard of with bleach in the wash water. I took Mrs. Brady's advice, and this time used Fab. What a difference. Now my clothes are really white, a livelier white, and so clean. They smell fresh and sweet. Yes, Fab washes cleaner than any soap in the world, in the hardest water. Gets out dirt, leaves no dulling soap scum. Fab brightens washable colors, and it's wonderfully mild to hands. <laughs> Well, it looks as if Mrs. Brady has made a new friend. And another new customer for Fab. Yes, more and more in every store. The folks all grab for Fab. Hey, podcast listeners. Are you looking for something a little bit different? Then tune in to my podcast, We're All Mad Here. Join me, Rachel, as we talk about creepy facilities some pretty questionable cures, as well as checking up on some famous and not-so-famous people who have dealt with mental illness in their life. Informative, scary, and with a little bit of sarcasm, if you enjoy learning about the truly crazy parts of history, you're going to love We're All Mad Here. Episodes come out weekly, and I hope you'll join us.